In today's episode, I have a special guest, Stephanie Escoto, and we're going to discuss occupational wellness and cultural expectations, finding our ways through college and career and life. So if you're interested in listening to our conversation today, please stick around and hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you for being here with me today. I know that in previous conversations, we kind of talk about this whole idea of wellness or this idea of career and what we thought we wanted to be in, what field. You can tell me where you work and what you do. Yeah. So uh, just okay. So I am an office manager for FIU, uh, Florida International University, for our counseling center there that is strictly for the students. It's funded by the Student Health Fee. It's part of this initiative for student health and wellness that we have at the university. It is our counseling and psychological services department, along with our victim empowerment department. It also encompasses a healthy living program. So a lot of meditation and stuff like that, and aromatherapy and massage and, and sound therapy. The Healthy Living Program. And then we also have our student health clinics that has psychiatrists and general practitioners and our gynecologists. They also have a nutritionist on staff for our students. Just it's this whole branch of health and wellness that FIU has for their student population that is free of charge to them. Right. So, yeah, (laughs) they a lot of the students, they they need help, right? Because in when you go into, especially when you're starting, I, our busiest time is the fall because it's a lot of freshmen are starting and it's intense, right? Starting a new career path and stuff like that. So a lot of our services are individual counseling, um, group therapy, and um, they even do like ADHD testing and some career assessment testing. Right. To see what would your schemes be good for. Right. And in, in what occupational role you would probably do really well in. So, yeah. So I'm the office manager for the counseling and psychological area. Oh, nice. That's awesome. How long have you been doing that? So this has been already a year and a half at this current role. I, however, been in. I've been like an office manager and I, technically it's an operations manager for a separate psychiatry office, psychiatry and therapy for about two years and a half. And there we, we, it was more of a private for the community type thing. We had as young as five year olds all the way up to, I think one of like the oldest patients that we had was like 102. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really cool. Definitely different populations for sure and approaches to I guess, approaches to treatments and stuff. It, it, it yeah, is many different personalities. <laughs> For sure. So are you in college right now or are you in school right now? No, I'm not in school. I graduated from the University of Florida. I double majored in psychology and anthropology. Graduated back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you were studying, what were your goals at the time? 
I started with psychology. I've I've always had a love for psychology since like you know I was a kid. In high school, I I did general psychology and I did AP psychology, and I just I was in love with with that branch. So when I went to UF, when I started at UF, I I was a psychology major. As I took classes and courses, I was a research assistant for one of the um, graduate students in the psychology department who was studying theory of mind. I was one of their assistants that would help them collect data. As I was going through that, I realized I'm not a therapist. I love the information and I love being able to see different perspectives and you know, understand worldviews and stuff. I love all of that, but I'm not a therapist. I learned when we were doing, when I was in my uh, counseling class, we had to do like mock therapy sessions. And I realized that I can be a little too empathetic. It's a challenge for me to put up boundaries and stuff like that. And it's something that I'm still working on to this day. I realized that there, being a therapist was definitely not for me. and. For psychiatry, which is like the medication side of it. Don't get me wrong. Medication can help those that are struggling with it. And if you need medication, please talk to your physician, a qualified physician that's going to give you, you know, they can, can, help, can help you with that. Personally, I think sometimes medication can become a crutch for people. And I am a proponent of either doing a try therapy first, right? Try to talk it out and work through through things um, first before starting medication or maybe a combination of both, right? Maybe minor medic, like a little bit small doses of medication to help control some of those high anxiety moments or, or very low depressive moments. But definitely therapy so that you can get to the root of things. I think therapy is what helps you get to that root. So it didn't feel right to be a psychiatrist when that wasn't my first go-to as a, a resolution. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I, I did something else. I love archaeology. I love the study of humans. So I continue... I continued studying psychology. I didn't change my major because I still love psychology, study of the human mind. But I took more and more anthropology classes as my electives. And anthropology, study of the human, I felt like it just, it gave you the whole holistic view of it, right? Anthropology encompasses archaeology, linguistics, cultural, and biologicals, right? And then you include psychology in there, study of the mind. Like, it was just a beautiful symphony of just who we are as humans so yeah i i decided to graduate with that and then i'm really good at administrative and techie stuff like the four years that i was at uf i worked inside the hospital in the it department i would help facilitate like the ipads and the computer fixing computers and phones for the doctors and for the incoming med students and stuff it it I get geeky when it comes to to tech stuff. I went into this administrative type of role within the psychology world where I could put my actual skills to the test, actually use my skills to help facilitate that customer end side 
for whatever clients we were serving instead of me being the role of the therapist and the psychiatrist I was that middleman right so yeah that's that's just a little bit <laughs> I love that you knew you found out you couldn't be a therapist but you took that and you still wanted to be in the space of mental health you know wellness and you took what you were good at and put yourself in the place, in the field still around there. You still use your skills to be at that space because you feel so passionate Mm -hmm. about it and you delve into it in your own way without being a therapist. And I think a lot of people are not flexible in that way. They want to do one thing and that's the only thing or their life is over, Mm -hmm. you know. But so that is so admirable though. And I love that. And I think you and I are very similar in the way I'm not, I'm not in the psychology space, but I do love psychology. Uh, so gerontology is a branch of psychology. And that's so that's what I studied as a minor in undergrad and then I mastered in it. I just love how you just figured yourself out and how you could put yourself where you felt like you could still contribute. Mm-hmm. I think you articulated really well that there's not a lot of people that find that flexibility in what they're looking for, right? Sometimes it's hard to... Because as a kid, I thought, I'm going to be a therapist. I'm going to be a psychiatrist. I'm going to be this psychologist that's going to do this research, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to help people. And when you get in the midst of it, I realized if I continued this, I wasn't going to help anybody, right? I wasn't going to be happy with where I was going to go, what that was going to look like for me, which means I'm not going to really be doing what I thought I would be helping, right? And nobody wants that. So it's finding that way you can pivot, but still be within that realm that you love so much. And who knows, maybe what you need is to pivot so that you can have a different perspective of it and then you can find your own niche within that field because i think that as we're growing up we're always looking at like the the top like i i think of it as like the top dogs right so like a doctor right you could be like a heart surgeon you could be a psychiatrist you could be pulmonologist but you don't realize that there's so much behind the scenes there's so many other jobs out there that are still within that field but don't necessarily mean that you have to be this provider or like this role and it's still within the realm that you really enjoy and you can find that yeah (laughs) that's awesome did you grow up with immigrant parents oh yeah so same here right so we're like first generation so first generation it's the cultural thing they either want you to be a doctor, a nurse, a mm-hmm. lawyer, all the extreme, like, go-to five occupations, mm-hmm. right? I'm not a nurse. I'm not going to ever work in the hospitals. And I have similar memories like you, mm-hmm. where when I was a kid, I knew I wanted to be like an artist. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I don't know why I had that stuck in my head. Like, maybe because I felt like I had so much to express that I couldn't. And... I don't know. It's very convoluted in that age. If you ask me back when, I don't know what that looks like. And 
But I later found out that I had an uncle that's a painter and my other uncle was a hairstylist mm -hmm. and I like to work with my hair. You don't know what that's going to look like either. It could change over time. There could be other, like you said, positions in that environment that are suitable for you. Okay. I don't know. Parents are so stuck in these three to five occupations. And I get it. They're immigrants. They don't right. know any better. But it makes it hard for us as first-generation children mm -hmm. to navigate the outside world and having to meet cultural expectations mm -hmm. and outside Me. trying to be American. Mm -hmm. No, I, yeah, I completely can resonate with that. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, immigrant parents have this idea that you, you share, like, the pinnacle of success are one of these top five, like, workforces, right? But, and it makes sense, right? Because that, that's what they see. My dad never went to high school. My dad came from Honduras and had to immediately start working as a 14, 15 year old because he needed to, to, build a life for himself right not knowing english my mom came from cuba at the age of 12 also she did some high school never graduated and i have a love-hate relationship with the college idea right because not everybody is meant for college if that's not your vision don't go for it it's not worth the trouble it's not worth the, the debt but there are some things that i do think it is very beneficial and it can definitely open your mind and your perspective to things it allows so many doors to open for you and ideas to come at you that can be very creative and there's some things that obviously you need to go to school for right you're not gonna just <laughs> like if you're trying to be a surgeon <laughs> you gotta go to school so you can practice on dummies like you, you're not gonna be you're not going to be like in the old times where people would you know? go and rob a grave. and. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so crazy. It's so weird. And it's a weird type of pressure. And then if you uh, don't pick one of those branches. So they, this happened with, with my family where if you weren't picking one of those branches. When I told my mom, I'm going to double major in anthropology. She was like, what is that? And what type of jobs can you get with that? What money is that going to make you? Yeah. And it was always like. There were there was a moment where I was like, okay, and number one, I need you to stop asking me this because you're not you're not helping my uh, decision making. Um, that's number one. Number two, you're not stay you're not taking these classes for me. It's a valid question. What are you gonna do with that degree? Exactly, but it's kind of like it's it comes off so negative though. Mm -hmm. You can. You're not, depending on the tone, you're not really having a conversation or a discussion. Mm -hmm. It's just being judgy. Exactly. It's and I know how judgy. that feels. I get it. <laughs> but like, let's say, so what can you do with archaeology? I mean, with anthropology, you could do a lot of things, right? But I mean, just quickly off the top of your head with archaeologists, there are archaeologists out there. You can get your certification in GSI, the geo, in, in whatever, spatial imagery, whatever. And that, like, GSI work is used for any building construction, right? Like, they need to have an archaeologist. Before you start building a building, they're going to send out an archaeologist to make sure that there is no ruins or dinosaur bones or whatever underneath the soil. 
before they can start like breaking that area so they can build something, right? A job. That's an actual job, guys. <laughs> you have to go to school for that. But again, immigrant parents, that, that's not what they're thinking. That's not what they realize. There are so many, there's so many options available that it's not just doctor, lawyer. What was it? Well, those are the two that I always yeah. hear. So I but, can't even think of the others. Yeah. I think their thing is they want you to have a good life. I think that's their main focus. So they look at these occupations as, okay, you have these three options. Mm -hmm. And I get that, but it's like, it's very difficult when you're a first generation child. Because mm -hmm. it's just like, no, I don't want to do that. But, you know, and then it gets like all this confusion and all this like tension build up mm -hmm. about wanting to have a certain salary a year mm -hmm. and a status that's associated with it i think that this idea of a good life and it being associated to the career path that you choose it's kind of like at least for the first generation moving forward right it's kind of outdated a good life doesn't necessarily mean that you're making a lot of money right mental wellness to me, it doesn't encompass how much money you have in the bank. It's how you value yourself. You value your connections and your relationships. Um, obviously, it's important so that you have, a, so you have a place to sleep at night, so that you have food in your belly, um, so that you can pay your bills, so that you can have some comforts. That I, of course, of, of life. I get it, mm -hmm. but it's not like. Money isn't tied to your happiness. You can be the poorest person on earth and still be happier than the biggest billionaire. I absolutely agree. It has nothing to do with money. Happiness like, is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Happiness is a point of view, right? Mm -hmm. It's a point of view you choose to see whatever is happening in your life, right? Obviously, it's easier said than done, right? It's very hard to be in those moments of, of depression and try to find that bright side, try to find that light that brings you out of it. It's a very, very difficult, but it's not impossible, right? It's not impossible. Oh, I love the concept of union because of that, that idea of always a little bit of darkness within the light and a little bit of light within the darkness. It's always trying to find that strength that, that can help you, help you through those moments. Yeah. I agree. You need both. I feel like you need mm -hmm. compassion and suffering. You need the light and the dark mm -hmm. um, to have a better perspective and to be understanding. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I totally. So we're not saying that money is not important because oh, yeah. it is. It is. But it shouldn't encompass someone's whole life. Like the analogy that you use with the billionaire. There are people like that out there that have mm -hmm make so much money and they come home to an empty house. Mm -hmm. So I think, or like, I, I originally what I was going to try and get up, but so the doctor, right? The doctor makes mm -hmm. so much money, right? But doctors that work for hospitals, most of the time are on call 24-7. What type of life is that? You can't take a vacation with all the money that you have. Can't take a trip. What if they call you? You're supposed to be there. So 
it's that's what I was trying to get at. It's like you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have that balance to be able to, you know, make time for your happiness or whatever, like all the money means nothing. And also their jobs are so high stress. You're dealing with someone's life, especially if you're a surgeon. Mm -hmm. What type of stress can that do to someone? I mean, if they're used to it and they like that, then they thrive in that, then that's a different story. You know, we do need that. They're they're heroes, right? To some degree, they're sacrificing some aspect of life to be able to provide some services to to individuals, right? Like, you break your leg at three o'clock in the morning, you're gonna go. That that's a bad that's a bad analogy. If you're if you're an emergency doctor, then yes, yes. If you're an emergency, emergency, exactly. Come on. Exactly. No, totally. If you are so involved in serving and helping and you want to heal or whatever, and you want to, and you thrive in that emergency type environment, then hey, do that, mm-hmm. you know? But I think the thing is, it's so hard to figure out what you want to do, especially when you're in college. So mm-hmm. I advise people to try different things, mm-hmm. you know? like do customer service a lifeguard i don't know do type different types of customer service stuff office jobs you have to explore mm-hmm. it so that when you get to a point oh i like this job because of this part maybe mm-hmm. i can find something similar that pays me more and maybe i need to get like a higher skill set of some kind mm-hmm. or maybe you identify like you don't like something of a job Exactly. But you do like some little aspect of it. And so you can kind of follow that trail, right? I think it it's easier now, now that we have like internet and social media to like really look and search for things like that. When I was in college, we didn't have social media yeah. yet or it was about to come out. I graduated oh nine. Oh. So yeah, before Instagram. <laughs> Anyway, Facebook had just come out. MySpace yeah. was a thing. Because in oh, the yeah. line, I was a freshman in high school. And I remember I had Facebook. and It wasn't really used to advertise job. Yeah. job search or businesses yet. Mm-hmm. It was just used to keep in contact with friends. Mm-hmm. But now it, it transitioned, it transformed. So I'm loving LinkedIn. Like I've noticed that as I've grown more, I've been using LinkedIn more often. In terms of for like professional development, when they take on like Linda, where now it's called LinkedIn Learning, and they have a lot of skill building lessons and stuff like that, and you can get like these certificates. It's really cool. LinkedIn now has this way to develop yourself professionally and showcase your professional side. It helps you advance your career and find these high quality connections with individuals that are within companies essentially big shots in companies and positions to connect you with potential employers there you go beautiful see we're simple yeah easier now and what makes it harder too is the internet as well because people are so stuck including myself i i get stuck sometimes so, but I see the detriment in that, especially with the younger kids growing up with the internet. Because mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with the internet. It kind of 
takes away the opportunity to connect because we're so mm-hmm. consumed with the socials. Mm-hmm. I also feel like it. your attention span gets shorter because mm-hmm. everything is so quick and in your face and so easily accessible that it like there was a joke that i heard once i don't remember by whom that it was like it was like oh my phone is taking so long to like send this message oh it's like the worst and it's like dude your phone is going to space right now give it a second just like give it some time (laughs) i know like (laughs) Like, just calm down. This wasn't a thing a long time ago. Like, this is the worst, right? This is the worst piece of technology you could possibly think of. It's amazing. Like, this didn't exist not too long ago. Yeah. And, like, it just, it creates impatience. And so I it creates sort of this attitude, too, when when I go out and go to a coffee shop and there's, like, younger people. I mean, I, I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm not young or old. I don't know. I'm 38, but I grew up in a tent. So just for people to, to have some context. So when I see like people like in the early 20s, like behind the counter, the customer service is so different. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've experienced that, but it's just like very, they'll help me, but then they will. The attitude is different. I can't really explain it. It's just like, okay, here you go. And they just turn around. Right. Like there's and no additional hospitality. I notice in smaller businesses, it's lacking. And I was just like, and and I feel like it's due too because of the internet and the whole idea of like not having enough attention span and connection, real connection, mm-hmm. not just internet connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean... A big part of customer service that I feel like we we miss is that is that personal connection, right? Because mm-hmm. there used to be a time, like I, I can only speak for myself, there used to be a time where I wasn't worried to make friends. And like you can see kids and kids are so free in the sense that they're not afraid to make friends. They're not afraid to mess up. They're not afraid to just be themselves. And I think that as you're growing up and it's obviously show like as culture constraint, cultural constraints, social constraints start to, you know, you start to acknowledge those more, you tend to start holding back some aspects of your personality. And it then it starts, I think it starts seeping into not being able to really connect right like when you were a kid it was so easy to just make friends and like you guys you quickly agree on something you're like we're like the best of friends now right but nowadays it's hard to find that connection it's harder to just quickly even if you disagree to just be like no we're good we're we're you know we're we're building bonds here and i think that that that's part of just this inability this inability to connect yeah, and our brains are different when we're kids. I don't know which one, but we're still in the those types of brain waves where we're not conscious yet. <laughs> so lack of awareness helps us to just go through these things. And then once we get older, let's say, you know, we have friends and we're rejected. So when you get older, you don't want to be rejected. So then like you don't want to be 
friends or and all this criticism, you know, when you get older, the criticism takes in. So then you're like less and less and less want to make friends or connections or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's it's interesting mm-hmm. how that works. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I, I mentioned it to you before, but this podcasting thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is this is a challenge. This is a challenge for me socially because I, like I, like I was saying, like when you're a kid, when I was a kid, I didn't think twice about like, you know, like, are, are people going to like me or whatever? Like just, and you like me great. You don't like me great. Right. Like you just are, there's no inhibitions, but as I've gotten older, I've noticed that sometimes I get socially anxious because I, I'm afraid, right? Like, or there's there's a level of the insecurity. Am I gonna be accepted? Are my thoughts gonna be accepted? Like, am I too rambunctious for people? Don't <laughs> gonna like me? Are they not gonna like me? And so I, I found that it's just it's harder to meet new people and make a meaningful connection are we actually friends or is Mm -hmm. and then like now in work as you get older work has this different space right like where you can be friends but not really because you don't know and it's such a weird space to live in socially and we're adults i spend eight hours of my day I think nine hours of my day at work to be in this weird social space of are we pretending to be friends, but are we really friends? Because I'm not behaving the way I would fr- would with my real friends because I'm at work because I'm trying to be a professional, et cetera, et cetera. So it's so hard to make those connections, like a genuine connection. So I get it. And work is different and I get that. But also you can be friendly without being friends. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so... In a workplace, there are boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like high school, but it's social anxiety. Mm-hmm. So as an adult, you want to be friendly, but that doesn't mean we are friends outside of work. Right. So. And I think it, that's a challenge too, right? Like it's in the sense of like making a meaningful connection, right? Because then that plays into um, how you just you make friends overall, right? Or not? I think it depends. Okay. I think it... Because not, you're not going to get along with everyone at work. And that's okay. Sure. But you want to be friendly. You want to be cordial. You want to be approachable. Mm-hmm. But maybe over time, maybe over time, not right away, that you'll have a connection with one person. Mm-hmm. Over time. And... You know, and maybe you guys start meet, meeting outside of work. It's okay that I'm not friends with my coworkers. That's okay. I've accepted that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a place, at least within the first year or six months or whatever, to find friends. You're right. But you don't get to find friends. Right. Let's say someone has a small circle of friends and they just have their job for other people to talk to. I think it depends on the work environment. I really do think it depends. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you're like at a fast food joint and there's like college students working there and they all hang out, I mean, that's totally different. Right. 
I think I'm different when it comes to making friends now that I'm older. In my 20s, I was so insecure. Okay, like, let me just tell you, I was super insecure. I was trying to be friends with people that didn't really want to be friends with me. Mm -hmm. I was just insecure. I lived in a different city for five years. I was alone. I was trying to get my stuff together as Mm -hmm. an adult growing up. And so have I not gone through that period? I don't think I would have been how I am today. Luckily, I do have some friends, a small circle of friends. What I decided to do was to develop those friendships even more. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is I make sure like I text them or I call them like once every three months and we Mm -hmm. talk for like a long time. Mm -hmm. And my closest friends say it's like no time has passed every time we talk. So for those that really know me and see all the sides of me, I develop those friendships more as we age. It can be harder to make new, meaningful relationships and friendships. I do experience that. And sometimes it's okay because I think as we, you know, have more experience, we understand the people we want to be around with Mm -hmm. or if it's not being reciprocated Mm -hmm. in the way we want to i've learned over the years i don't want to be friends with everyone i so we have it's a it's a more of a learning experience within ourselves Mm -hmm. it's not really the other person Mm -hmm. and with the experiences that i've experienced growing up I know what kind of person I want to stay away from. Mm -hmm. We kind of want to attract pretty much who we are. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of issues within myself. I think what I'm trying to get at is I need to know who I am first Mm -hmm. before I can even approach someone so that I'm not projecting. Mm -hmm. Or, And I learned that that's okay. We do want to make connections. There's other ways, right? There's Mm -hmm. like, if... I guess it depends on the personality. So if you want to go to meetups or like, you know, or other community events out there, if you like being out and about, if that's your personality, then hey, man, that's cool. I'm not that. <laughs> but if you, I, I'm in it, I consider myself an introvert, super highly sensitive in some ways where like if there's, I can't be like in big crowds. I get really weird about other people's energies so i just i just get weird about it and i know that about myself right okay i need to make those things or environment suitable to what is preferred for me mm-hmm. you can change so it's kind of like a inner inner healing inner knowing type of thing about your personality and then if you do like meeting people then go out and there's like i don't even know what it's called if you like going to farmers farmers markets on Saturday, hey, go talk to people there. Or if there's like a concert in the community or near the mall or at the park, go there. Do you want to meet people? Or, you know, if you want to volunteer at, I don't know, if you like theater but don't want to be an actor, kind of like mm-hmm. in your situation, you can work at a theater company doing techie stuff. Mm-hmm. So those are just my little rant about that. But... Love it. Love it. You made a valid point. It is. 
learning more about yourself so that you aren't projecting on others and you're attracting the you're attracting your tribe right and the best way to do that is learning who you are first so that you you know what type of tribe you want to attract um but yeah i was saying i was saying the, the connection thing because like i was thinking about how with the social media conversation you're having how related to that it's sometimes because of this new social media wave that's happening where you are so connected that you're not connected i think mm -hmm. that's where i was like it plays into so many roles in your life where it just makes it hard to make those connections in person like because you're so used to connecting with everybody now through a screen instead of like face-to-face -face and stuff mm -hmm. but yeah that was just random <laughs> but I mean, you do have a valid point because now it's great because we can meet people from different parts of the world. I mean, we wouldn't have. I feel, I feel like we're friends, definitely. Yeah. Like, I feel like I can go to like Florida and visit you anytime. <laughs> I met other people that I still talk to from the internet because it's like it's sometimes it's so hard to meet people where you are mm -hmm. because your inner circle is so limited right mm -hmm. so then we go like to these facebook groups because there's a there's an interest that we want to have a commonality mm -hmm. with it's your finding calming interests and so you're finding i do gotta say social media makes it really easy for people like you mentioned from all over the world to find things that we all share and grow a friendship from that you know point of view of like we both like podcasting and all of this and this is like our first time like our, our first like baby and our first attempt. i know no, definitely it's the second one for yours but technically but it wasn't it wasn't as community based you right. know i wasn't really telling anyone i was doing it and it right. was just kind of like me ranting <laughs> but exactly like but this is, this has been able to give us some footing right to like start building that friendship and get to a place where it's like yeah come over let's hang out for your 40th like here in miami and let's party it down but yeah i mean it, it social media has pros and cons it does. It, it can be a dangerous place. Too. What I wanted to ask you initially was like going back to you working as an office manager. So mm -hmm. where do you see or do you have a vision of your career at this point? Or what are your ideas for Stephanie in the next 10 years? So in the next 10 years, okay. This is... So in the next 10 years, if I'm being completely honest and if everything goes according to plan, I know I say I'm not a psychiatrist, but research is my baby. Does that make sense? So I am planning on, and I've already done my prerequisites for a nursing degree. So I'm going to go back. And I'm going to get a degree in nursing, get my licensing as a APRN in psychiatry. And I want to do research in the psychiatry world. What the specific research is, 
I will not divulge, but it's very associated to what my podcast is about. It's very tied into my art stuff and overall this concept of creativity. I haven't... So because my episodes aren't aren't released yet, they're not released mm-hmm. until October 4th. Mm-hmm. Right now, it, the way that I described the podcast, it's not 100% what it's going to be, right? So it is creativity and mental wellness, right? But it's not creativity of just the arts. It's creativity, like the concept of creativity, okay. like how philosophers and, and just culturally creativity is viewed and stuff and how it can manifest in different ways and what that does at the psychological and physiological level. Very random in-depth research that I'm, I'm trying to piece together. But yeah, so within the next 10 years, everything goes to plan. I will be a licensed APRN psychiatrist with her podcast and doing research and just living out whatever Stephanie's crazy imagination comes up with. I'm not, I don't want to pin it to the, you know how, how some people, they have vision boards and I Mm -hmm. admire the fact that they can do vision boards. I don't have a vision board. I know the general gist that I want, but I also like the spontaneity and leaving life open to whatever I'm gifted with, right? One of my sisters, she's like, I know that by this age, I wanted a house. And by this age, I wanted to get married. And by this age, I wanted this and so on, so on. When I was a kid, I I didn't have that. I, I still won't have that. I'm okay with however life turns out as long as I'm happy with my decisions and that that's what I try to live by I try to make no regrets try to leave give everything that I want to do everything that's how I that's how I approach my life there's different ways of manifesting so for your sister she needed the visuals and the timeline Mm -hmm. I am like you so I knew I wanted to get married I knew I wanted to be a mom but I didn't know when like, I met my husband when I was 32. I had my kid at 35. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But as long as you know that in yourself, it's going to happen while you're taking action. And, you know, we're always manifesting. it. But that was just her way. So mm-hmm. you have your way and it's working for you. Mm-hmm. I'm in the same way because there's my husband. He goes, I he thinks that I'm like does one thing and does another thing, but I'm just multi-passionate. You oh know? Oh God, that's so pretty. Yeah, it's multi-passionate. I don't know if you know human design, like, astro- you know, have you heard of human design? No. It's kind of like astrology, but a different way of looking at, they look at your behavior and stuff like that. So okay. anyway, my human design chart tells me that I have to, it tells me that I'm multi-passionate. Okay. Pretty much is one of the things that tells me. And it says to follow my gut as well. So that's why it gave me a lot of like confirmation and validation mm-hmm. about trusting myself and really come to terms, have some peace. You know, I'm not a human design expert, but oh, <laughs> but that's just, I don't know if you believe in those esoteric stuff, but they have some truth to it, I feel like. And so 
when one is trying to find answers or like, you know, like guidance that we do those things. But anyway, um, no, so I, yeah, I'm just multi-passionate. And that. I agree with you because we're both having a podcast and it's our baby and we get to be on each other's podcasts. Mm-hmm. And we have so much similarities too, Steph. Mm-hmm. Yes, you need to show me where I can do this human day. I'm so down. Like, I love taking all those esoteric, weird. I, love- I mean, there's an app that I that I just paid for like one or two months that mm-hmm. tells me my human design. Oh. And then you can also get your human design reading too mm-hmm. by people that do that. Okay. I'll give you the app. Okay. And then... and see if you want to if you want to delve into it more with someone then you can mm-hmm. you know find someone to do the reading so astrology is good because it gives you a, a map of what you can do and then human design because you're a psychology fanatic so you might like the human design aspect because it focuses on behavior mm-hmm. on what you can do to go about your way instead mm-hmm. of doing it the instead of doing it like how people normally do things like do it this way and do it big and grand and no i don't want to do it okay that's just an example i'm i don't it's not a good um but yeah i mean that's cool (laughs) okay i think i'm just gonna end this portion of our interview and if he, anyone wants to follow Stephanie, she has a podcast called Creative Street. Yes. I'll have it on the link in the show notes and I'll give you her socials as well. What is your social on Instagram? That S-T-Escoto, E-S-C-O-T-O on Instagram and on Facebook. You can find my page, Creative Street. But yeah, mostly on Instagram. Message me if you're interested in being a guest or you just want to say hi. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Steph. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Felicia, for having me on your podcast. This is awesome. Oh. Thank you for listening to our episode today about occupational wellness with my guest star, Stephanie Escoto. If you would like to reach out to her on Instagram, her handle is S-T-E-S-C-O-T-O, that's S-T-E-S-C-O-T-O. It will also be located in the show notes as well. Also, if you would like to listen to her podcast titled Creative Street, you can find that on Spotify or Apple, Apple Podcast as well. I hope you guys gained some insight about occupational wellness, how we can navigate through the niches of various occupations and how we can find our footing and our place. And if you would like to review and give us a rating, that would be awesome. Again, you can reach me at YouTube or Instagram at The Villa of Wellness. And I'm your host, Felicia Barrios, and I will see you next week. And again, as always, take care of yourself and treat yourself like your best friend.